You're listening to the No Hacks Marketing Podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into online marketing topics, covering search, content, CRO, social, and performance optimization to help you level up your marketing. No hacks, no shortcuts, only long-term success. Here are your hosts, Slobodan Manich and Katherine Kambau. Welcome to episode 37 of No Hacks Marketing Podcast. My guest today is someone you all know, a two-time book author, a two-time No Hacks Marketing Podcast guest, a Portland Trailblazer super fan, and my fellow former Commodore 64 hacker, John McDonald. Welcome to the podcast, John. Great to have you back. Thanks. I'm excited about this. I had no idea you started out on a Commodore 64 as well. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. That was uh, late 80s, I'm going to say, something like that. It, it, it was just a magical machine at that time. Thinking back, st- I'm, I'm feeling Stranger Things, stuff like that TV show. Like That's yes. the vibe I'm getting from Commodore 64 these days. Like the font in the show, it's, it just brings you back. So I know you've been working on this book, Opting Into Optimization, that's coming out today, actually, since we're releasing the episode on October 26th. And I know it's been a long time. How does it feel to finally have it hit the virtual and physical shelves across the world? It's... Yeah, it's such an amazing feeling. It's something I've been working on for well over a year and started outlining where I wanted to take this probably 18 months ago and put about a year of consistent effort and came up with the first draft, scratched it, rewrote it again to get a little more dialed and have been working with an editor and going through that whole process. And with these books, it's interesting. You put so much effort in over that course of that year. And it comes in, in in one big, just giant push, right? It's like giving birth to the book, if you will. <laughs> and then it kind of goes away and hangs out with the publisher while they do their thing. And you might review a book cover this week and you might listen to a couple of edits the next week. And it's kind of this law for several months where it just doesn't feel real yet right? It's like you've done all the work, but you're just like, when is this going to get published and printed? And then the past few weeks have been really a lot more work again, because of the promotion, just getting it in front of people, having conversations like this. That's where I'm starting to have a lot more fun again with the book, right? Because that that middle gap is just like, "Ah, I don't know what's going on right now. It's out of my hands. And now that we have a date and it's been printed and starting to get copies here, at the at the good and in my hand it's just been amazing talk about overnight success right just (laughs) doesn't happen like that not at all i wish (laughs) last time we had you on the podcast you and i talked about sort of dipping your toes into conversion optimization in your book Mm -hmm. opting into optimization covers that but it does so much more and i'll I'll never forget the first time i read don't make me think the iconic Mm. book about web usability usability in general and i really feel your new book has the potential to be that mindset shifting book for people who still don't think that way when it comes to conversion optimization because there are many concepts that there's 10 chapters one concept per chapter and Mm -hmm. some of them are really going to be mind-blowing for people who are not thinking this way. So uh, when you set out to write the book, who was your intended audience and what did you hope they would get out of it? My intended audience was e-commerce managers, folks who are running e-commerce websites, but like you said, they don't have this methodology 
and, and front of mind for them. And our mission at the good is to remove all of the bad online experiences until only the good ones remain genesis of the company. And I recognize that we can't possibly touch every single e-commerce website that's out there. And with that, this book, the goal of this is I'm just going to share all of our best thinking and what we've learned over 13 years now of optimizing websites. And hopefully that helps to eliminate bad online experiences overall. And that requires a mindset change, as you've mentioned. That's what needs to happen. And so I really wanted to make sure that folks know, hey, this isn't just an opinion. This is based on data of us optimizing websites for 12 plus years. And it's really something that I want people to have a almost visceral reaction to it, right? I don't want people to be like, oh, okay, that's another business book or that's great. He says why you shouldn't discount. And of course he thinks that, right? But I wanted to give them concrete case studies on here's challenges with this. Here's the, the I want to hit them in the face with the, the actual data and what they should be thinking. And if they're not, make them take a step back and say, oh, right. Okay. I see why they, we should be thinking like that. Maybe it will affect their behavior a little bit. And, and to me, that would be a win. Right. That, that's a great point. And you mentioned marketing uh, e-commerce managers, sorry, and, and they're sort of the intended audience. But I think because this book doesn't focus on statistics and how mm. to run experiments and, and, and stuff like that, it's for a much broader audience than just mm. any your typical narrow focus. Not that that is bad CRO book or right. conversion optimization book. So you mentioned e-commerce managers. And one of the ideas that, that you drive in, in one of the early chapters is marketing mm. managers versus e-commerce managers. And once the, the visitor arrives to the website, you need to stop marketing to them and start selling, which is your first book that you wrote right. many years ago. Yes. Yeah, that, that's the, the first book I wrote about six years ago. And that book was much more about the tactics. That was, okay, here's the overall methodology of you need to stop marketing and start selling once somebody gets to your site. Here's all the tactics you should be deploying to make that happen. And I wanted this book to take a step back and, as you said, be for a little bit broader of an audience so that that e-commerce manager could hand this book off to their VP or president of their company or even that marketing manager or CMO role and say, here's some stuff you need to be thinking about, about how I'm going to approach my work and almost give them a lifeline of like, hey, when a CMO says, well, why'd you, why'd you change the website in this way? That they could hand them this book and say, here's what you, how you need to be thinking or how I'm thinking. And, and I hope that it, it provides that resource. Right. Uh, because I see that that's necessary. I, I definitely agree with that. So, so just to get back to the point, once the visitor arrives, stop marketing. And, and what does that mean? Give me a practical example. What does marketing on-site mm-hmm mean and yeah. why why is it so bad well it's bad because if you're a consumer and marketing is what got you to the site when you get there you're looking to accomplish two tasks you're looking to understand can they help fulfill that promise the marketing made can they solve your pain or need and you want to do that research to understand that right and then if it can you want to convert as quickly and easily as possible. Anything outside of that is just a distraction. And 
I'm I'm a firm believer in two things. One that marketing's role ends as soon as somebody reaches the site. Right? Marketing is awareness, marketing is driving traffic, marketing is brand, right? Helping people to have a certain feeling associated with the the company and their products. And yes, that means it needs to be integrated into the site to some degree, but as a supporting element not as the main element, right? And so I'm a firm believer of marketing and marketing managers, their role ends once somebody reaches the site, then the e-commerce manager takes over. And that's when the e-commerce manager's whole job is to focus on the customer experience, focus on helping accomplish those two goals. And I promise you that the consumer's goals are aligned with the brand's goals. You both want a conversion right? Consumers don't want to waste their time on your website. They want to do their research and move on. And so the real goal here is as an e-commerce manager, you should be helping to facilitate those two points I mentioned earlier, research and convert. Anything outside of that just becomes a distraction, gets in the way, frustrates users. Right. And an analogy you also used a few times in the book even is physical store. And how that's mm. similar to e-commerce experience. And, and seeing a billboard that gets you to go into a shop to buy sneakers and talking to the person working in the shop, like, those are completely different experiences. And this is, this is the marketing versus the e-commerce manager or the salesperson, whoever it is in the physical store. And mm. why is it always so easy for people to get it when it comes to physical stores? Like It's obvious yeah. that this is different, but when, when it's an online experience... The line, it's not only blurred, it, it doesn't even exist in most yeah. people's minds. Yeah, there's this great illustration in the book that I, I sketched out a bunch of illustrations and, and I found an amazing illustrator to do these. I'm really uh, proud of what we came up with for illustrations. But I really wanted to, to get the concept that just because you can't see the person on the other side of the screen doesn't mean that they aren't human. And unfortunately, there's just so many brands that I say, bringing up the retail store, that if you wouldn't do it in a retail store, don't do it on your website. But a lot of folks do that because they can't see the consumer. It's just a number in Google Analytics or in their right. Shopify panel, right? And they see right. dollar signs. But if you think about it, we do things like pop-ups where you walk into that retail store and if a consumer walked in and the retailer behind the counter jumped out in front of him with a clipboard and said, give me your email address. Here's the discount. And you're like, whoa, whoa, hold on. I have questions. I want to know <laughs> that billboard I saw out front for those shoes on sale. Do, they, do you have my size? What do they look like? How do they feel? Right? There's all these questions that they want to do their research. And getting them to sign up for something is is really going to just upset them ahead of time, right? If you walked into that store, if you were that customer, you would turn around and leave because you're like, whoa, I, I'm, I'm not here to sign up for your email list. Right. Yeah, and if, we you do did, that all the time. if you did that in a retail store, you're going mm -hmm. viral for the worst yeah. reason you can imagine. Yes. Like you, your first page of Reddit, everyone's watching you do that, jump out and, and ask for an email in the most creepy way possible. But I think another reason why stores, online stores do that is Everyone does it. It must work for them. And that's another thing you talk about in the book, copying the competition. It, it, it's just something that's doing anything blindly. 
you're yeah. blind if you're doing you, you don't know why you're doing it you don't know if it works you just know that it worked or maybe it didn't work for someone else you just know that someone else tried to do it so yeah. that's a bad 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 reason and that brings me to the next analogy that you have in the book the cook versus chef this is really the one i i, I like the most in the book the difference between a cook and a chef and you know a cook is someone who's going to follow a recipe and cook something, prepare a meal. A chef is someone who knows the ingredients, how to mix them, how they work together. The guy who or girl who buys those mm-hmm. 1,000 cookbooks on Amazon about combining different spices and different flavors. Mm-hmm. The Flavor Bible, I think, is, is, is yeah. the big tech book you can get on Amazon. So what is the, 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 the main difference? There? And it's also about scientific method, optimizing mm-hmm. your website by really getting to know your, your customers first and foremost, versus silver bullets, best practices, whatever your competitors are doing. So why yeah. is it so bad to follow? And how often, how common is it that, that brands just Ooh. follow blindly what everyone else it's, is doing? I'll start there. It's more common than you would think. 80% of the customers we work with at oh. The Good, when, when we start working with that brand and we ask them what they've done previously, we don't want to replicate their efforts and right. uh, we want to understand where their mind is at and what they've tried. So we ask, we ask them that when we onboard them. And then we follow up everyone with the question, okay, well, why did you decide to do that? Let's talk about that. And 80%, I'd say, come back and say, well, we did that because a competitor who's larger than us has it. So it must be working for them. To the T, that's what they say almost every time because this competitor who's larger than us does it, so it must be working for them. And the challenge is that you really don't know if that's working. And were you copying from the cook or the chef, right? Because the chef might have been trying a bunch of different things. And they they bought that flavor Bible off Amazon. And they're like, I read that chapter somewhere over there and said combine these two spices. So I'm going to give that a shot and see. And so my point is you might be opted into an A-B test. You don't know. Right. You might... Be, they might be running a test for a specific segment that you got opted into. They might be doing something that isn't working for them, but you don't know. Or their goals could be completely different. We work with three different eyewear brands. And one does like blue blockers for devices, right? Screens. One does sports eyewear for like protection, right? And one does readers for like older generation right? Who wants stylish readers, maybe something that looks good. Well, it helps them. And if we were to take a test, we ran for one of those and run it for the other, just because they're in the same category, we would have wildly different results. And those three brands don't have the same goals. Yet the challenge really becomes that so many brands go online and do things like Google What's the average conversion rate for eyewear brands? Right. Right. And then they're like, oh, well, I'm not at that number or, or I'm well above that number. So I have nothing to worry about. There's no improvement <laughs> left for me to do. And it's like, well, why are you, comp- are you copying them? All right. One of the things we say, and this is the, the uh, genesis behind the illustration for that chapter, is that there's a reason race horses wear blinders. Right. So the illustration is, is race uh, horses with jockeys on them on their laptops. Right. And, and the, the jockeys have blinders on and the horses do too. And the whole point there is that if you start looking around at your competition, your site is going to veer off course 
right? Just like if you're a jockey and you look to the left, your horse is going left, right? Right. But if you don't pay attention to your competition and just optimize for your customer experience and optimize based on your site visitors' data, you will see magnificent results. And that is really the key here where so many brands, large and small, copy their competitors, focus on best practices, and it doesn't serve them well in the end. Uh, that, that, that's a very good point. Just l- like I said earlier, copying blindly, mm-hmm. you are blind doing that because the only, uh, most people think about optimization and the first thing that comes to mind is an A-B test. Of course, most people, when they think, I'm not talking uh, people who work in CRO space. I'm, I'm just talking in general. When you hear CRO and optimization, it's an A-B test. Right. The whole point of an A-B test in my opinion, or every individual test, yes, if you can win, if you can get the win, that's great, and a lift, that is great. But if you can learn something from the test, why it worked and why it didn't, and then apply that using the your tiny gains logic that you also describe in the mm-hmm. book, that's a much bigger win because if you try to, I don't know, change your messaging, change your copy, write it in a certain way, and you see that this just doesn't work, well, that's a sign, that's a road sign that tells you you need to turn back and you need to head the other direction. And that is more valuable than a 0.2% lift that you would get yes. on a test if you don't understand why it happened, which is what you would get if you just implement, I don't know, those spinners that you enter mm-hmm. a reward yeah. system. You mentioned it in the yes. book, I've seen it. It's kind of dying off as a trend, I think. I'm seeing mm. it less and less, but it's one of the most annoying experiences, especially for the first interaction with a brand. Oh, I'm glad to hear you You think it's dying off because I have this affliction where, and, and I think as an optimizer, you probably do too, where you just see bad online experiences everywhere. <laughs> yes. Right. You go to a website and you're just like, oh, ooh, ouch, like that. And like, you just want to fix it, right? You're just like, oh, I know what to do here. Or like, they need to talk to their customers. And so I see those and I'm just like, I just shake my head and I just cringe and I'm just like, okay. I'm going to just close it and move forward. And yeah, so I'm glad to hear that you think that that's getting I, less popular. And I, I hope I it is. I haven't seen it in a while, to be honest. And, and I think it's mostly a Shopify trend. I haven't yes. seen it outside of Shopify because there, there must be an app that just makes it a one-click There's installation. There's a lot of them, yes. A mm-hmm. lot of them. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's the same kind of principle. One app development company, Shopify app development company saw that this is working. So let me copy that. Like the same yes. way uh, an e-commerce store would. But hey, it's just how we're wired. As, as people. It, yeah. It's the easy way. And like you said, you don't even know if they're running a test at the time. You don't even know if that's hurting them or helping them, making the lift. Just mm-hmm. copying something is probably the worst thing you can do for your brand because right. you don't know where you're going. And and yeah. there's one more point, and the analogy is just a killer on this one. The third one that I want to bring up here, uh, it, it's just the Kim Kardashian red carpet treatment. <laughs> like, it makes sense when you read the chapter. <laughs> Let's be honest. So... The point here is that customer experience drives every single thing about your brand and, and, and about mm-hmm. the success of your brand online and your store online. And right. you know, can you? I want you to explain the analogy. I'm not going to try. Yeah. Well, and I'll say I'll start by saying this is this is not. I can't take credit for that analogy. That was by Nick Sharma, who wrote the intro or forward for the book. It was something that that he brought up in there, and and I love it too. And I think it's it's a great analogy. 
essentially what he's saying is that if you are the assistant to Kim Kardashian and she's on the red carpet, you need to anticipate her needs, right? You can't at every step have her saying, I need this, I need that. You need to learn from other events you've been to with her that by two hours in, she's going to be hungry and she's going to want that salad. And so you bring the salad with you and you're prepared. Or you really just need to make sure that you're anticipating what consumers' needs are. And the best way to be able to do that is through experience and following what these people need and do. And so it's it's really interesting because he says, like, if you don't do these things, you're going to get fired as the assistant. And I think it's true. Like, e-commerce managers are going to get fired if they don't start paying attention to their consumers, doing everything they can to make sure that they have a great customer experience. And and I think that's really the key to, to what Nick is saying in, in that. Just a side question. Does that mean we have to call it KRO now because of Kim Kardashian? <laughs> Let's hope not. She's got enough going on. Let's and hope. Uh... Let's hope not. Yes. But... Uh... And that is a, that's a perfect point. Uh, uh, and it's not just about giving them the right product or having good products or having good copy. It's about every single touch point, pre-sale, post-sale, all the follow-up emails. I know you had a, yes. a, a blog post on, on the good blog. We'll put that in the description a few days ago, I think, about follow-up emails and, and how mm-hmm. that should be handled. If you want your customers to be happy and in a sea of brands, memorize yours and be happy to come back to you, even if you're not competing on the lowest price or your favorite discount strategy, like even even if you're not doing that, you want your customers to be loyal to you. The only way to stand out, it's not not a cool logo. It's not a a super nice website, like a 10 out of 10 website, as you said in the Mm -hmm. book, five out of 10 usually is enough. Mm -hmm. It's the experience that these people are getting. Like if you send them an email, they buy a product, they have a question, you anticipate they might have a question and you send them an email answering that question before they even have it. Not in a freaky way that like Facebook or Google show you ads when you think about something. This is this is zero party data, so it's, it's okay mm-hmm. in this case. If you keep doing that, people will be coming back and then right. you will never have trouble with repeat customers and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, I, 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 think, I think the book, let's just say that again, the book is out today we're recording this earlier but the book is out today uh, october uh 26th tuesday mm-hmm. what is the best way to get the book to buy the book yeah so it's available at amazon and several other online retailers amazon's probably the quickest way to get it you can also go to the good.com and uh, slash books and uh, get it there or if you go to the good.com slash book singular it will redirect you to the directly to the book at amazon so you have a couple of options there but you can buy it from amazon during launch starting about the second week or first week i should say of november you will be able to buy it from the good.com as well that is incredible and and as someone who read the book just get this book buy it read it you you will not regret this john i want to thank you for taking the time to be a guest on no hacks marketing podcast again to to promote this book always a pleasure to have you on good luck with the sales i i'm pretty confident this book will be a mindset shifting book in a way that don't make me think was thank you john and i will talk to you soon thank you for having me i really appreciate it 
Thanks for listening to No Hacks Marketing. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you can leave a rating on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Visit nohacksmarketing.com to subscribe.